Whereas, like, I think of I think of Harry Potter and I think of the books and the movies kind of like zigzagging, like a DNA kind of like. You know? Right. Yeah. Whereas Ready Player One, one le- went left and one went right, but both were okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, well the, the book, book was great. Was great. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Bushwhacking, where we bushwhack. I'm Jack. And I'm Fish. Today we have uh, also another episode. One, one more episode. <laughs> one more for you. <laughs> and we are returning back to the topic of movie remakes, book edition. Book edition. So when I first talked about our, our movie remakes mm-hmm. uh, and just how bad all of the movie remakes are, everyone's first response was dune <laughs> really <laughs> yeah because dune was great mm-hmm. but and i and i i wanted to agree with them but it's a it's a book mm-hmm. and so we'll get to that and talk about dune now but <laughs> yeah there was yeah i remember that comment seeing on facebook there was one of my old buddies he also said dune and um oddly enough i haven't seen either one of the movies or read the book, but we will discuss it. And I want to hear your thoughts on that. And of course, on the, the failures, the failures. Yeah. <laughs> so before we get into the, the bushwhack, let us get down to a little bit of business. First off, we want to thank all of our supporters. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are. We appreciate it. And we want to thank all of our listeners. And please share and subscribe to our podcast on all the platforms. We are expanding at a rapid pace, kind of. (laughs) We are on Anchor. We are on Spotify. We are on Google. We are on CastBox. We're everywhere that you can listen to a podcast. Mm -hmm. If you have a platform that we're not on, let us know and we'll get on it. Yeah, if there's some limitation of a friend... Let us know, and we will do the work so that they can join in on the bushwhack. And with that, let's get into the bushwhack. Just every time, it's just so great. It's just magnificent. Mm-hmm. It's the sound of conversation. It is. It's the sound of kicking back and just diving into this conversation. I love... I, shout out to just bushwhacking. I love doing this with you everyone should bushwhack in their own lives they really should because i feel like i'm 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 being completely serious it cultivates exploring the imagination with all of its dead ends and all of its bushy thorns and confusing trails i always feel like there's at least one awesome path in every bushwhacking conversation we've we've had and sometimes we've reached a glorious end sometimes we've reached Whatever. Right. And sometimes we're on the path and we haven't reached the end. And that excites me yeah. sometimes. And with this, this is, I feel like this is one of those paths where the path itself is glorious and can go anywhere. <laughs> the sheer magnitude of just how many movies that have been adapted from books oh, is staggering. My goodness. I was. When we first brought up this topic, I was like, okay, so you got Lord of the Rings, you got Harry Potter. And then as I started doing some more digging, 
I realized there's way more than I even realized. Well, so I I read something like uh, half of the best picture winners, mm-hmm. the Oscars, are based on books. I believe it. Well, yeah, yeah because... The Godfather. The Godfather. Forrest Gump. Ben-Hur. Ben-Hur. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm-hmm. There's, there's tons, and they're great. So why do you think... Why do you think there's such a good uh, transition, like transcribing from book to screenplay? I don't know. So I think there's lots of really good elements that make up a movie, mm-hmm. a, a tapestry of different elements. You have you have plot and character and a setting and music and all, all these things. Um and but I think probably the most important is the found I maybe the foundation is the plot, the story. Yeah. Um and so if you start off with a bad foundation, it doesn't matter if you have phenomenal acting, you're, it's not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basing it off of a, a well critically acclaimed book, you ha- you automatically have a good foundation and then it can get, either go really good or really bad from there. Yeah. I like that. I really like that. And I think there are instances where the directors or the writers, sometimes that gets messy. I don't know too much about like movie making as far as who's in charge of the story. You know what I mean? Like when you watch TV, you'll see, excuse me, you'll see that there are different directors for different episodes and different. There's a panel of writers, right? And so sometimes it's kind of hard to know like exactly who's in charge, whether it's an individual or a panel, but there are instances where they just nail it and they stay true to what the author's plot line is. Interesting enough, though, some movies don't do that. Or at least I don't think they do that. Some movies that are based on books will completely fly the different a different direction, which sometimes is good and sometimes I don't like because the character development changes. And you kind of get an anticipation when you hear like, oh, I read that book. They're making it to a movie. Right. As a kid, I think my first impression was, that's going to be awesome. Now that I'm an adult, I'm a little bit more wary whenever I hear of a book being turned into a movie, especially if there's like, depending on how much time there was between. For instance, like Ben-Hur. Ben-Hur was written, I think, like post-Civil War. So it had a good... What was that? Like, even if it was written in 1870, I, I can't remember the year, but There's that's a still, gap. Like, that's a good, like, over 50 year gap, you know? Yeah. And whereas you have something like Hunger Games, which was like within 10 years, probably less, you know? Oh, yeah. Some of them have a way quicker turnaround. And I'm not saying that, like, it's, it's not that time in between publishing a book and making a movie that makes a movie great. But I always am just a little bit like, maybe they rushed it a little yeah. bit. I, I thought about that um, with the guy that wrote The Martian. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you ever see that movie? Yeah, I love the movie. Yeah, so he's written a, a few other books. Um, and The Martian was just so successful that each book just like as soon as it's published automatically has a movie deal. <laughs> um, it's like 
a week out and it already has people attached to it. My goodness. Um, and they're, they're all really good books. So I'm really excited for mm-hmm. the movies. But it, I mean, when you talk about quick turnaround. Yeah. Right? So to kind of structure this bushwhack, I don't know if you had a structure in mind, but for our last movie bushwhack, we kind of went into a sequence of what was a really good movie you want to see a remake of, what's an okay movie you want to see a remake of, and what's a horrible movie that deserves a remake. But I feel like this one is actually a lot deeper than just movie remakes of movie remakes. And so I guess my question to you, just off the bat, with no really real structure in mind right now, is what was a movie where it was actually better than the book? Or has that do you have an instance where that happened for you? Um I no. I <laughs> I I really love books and so it's really difficult for me to say it's better than the book. Right. And it's sort of a little bit comparing apples to oranges. Okay. Um, but why? But obviously, you like apples more than you like oranges. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's the funny thing about that phrase that I've never quite understood is <laughs> you, you can't compare apples and oranges because they're they're both fruit. <laughs> right. And I guess I guess for you, it's like it sounds more not an apples and oranges, but a Granny Smith to a Fuji apple. Because apples and oranges, yeah, it's hard. And maybe we're we're not talking about apples and oranges, but um Well you know what? The the last Hunger Games movie I thought was maybe a little bit better than the book. Really? Yeah. Um and and the last book was sort of uh people didn't like the ending a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um and I was fine with it. I thought it was a good ending. Um, but <laughs> the the movie actually, uh, I think, added to it in a in a really good way that made it more well rounded and less rushed. I think that was the problem with the the book ending was mm. she rushed it, um, and so all these things just cascaded down in a, a few short chapters. Um, but then in classic Hollywood fashion, they made two movies out of that book. Mm-hmm. And so they were able to expand it a little bit. Yeah. And so that's also an interesting case of a, a movie expanding on a book where usually they have to truncate it pretty significantly. Right. And that's a concept that I think of Hollywood abuses, but that there's also a slight advantage in actually in either, whether it's a story or a movie of taking its time to develop the storyline slash the characters. And me being a story purist, you know me, I'm yeah. all about the story, mainly the characters. Because um, you can have a boring story, but you can have awesome characters. Because that's just life, you know? Yeah. But I feel like when movies take their time, or books take their time, that's what makes the story great. So I think it's interesting that you brought up how um, the movie was better because it took its time whereas the book didn't when normally it's the opposite exactly um i have i actually thought of another one just now where i thought the movie was a little bit better um but do you have one when did i think the movie was better than the book yeah here's here's one of my eternal shames is that i don't read as much as i should and when it comes to movies i think i've read harry potter I've read Hunger Games. 
and I've read The Hobbit, Fellowship of the Ring, Half of Two Towers, and none of Return of the King. <laughs> and to that, I am eternally shamed because I love the books. And I don't know why I haven't made time to finish the Lord of the Rings series because the books are fantastic. Even though they take their time and they are pretty slow because J.R. Tolkien is a historian. Anyway, what I'm trying to get at is I really can't. I, I at, at the top of my head, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, what what movie was better than the book? That's funny that you haven't finished that I because know, it's right? like uh, like I remember in our universe episode, you you just went on about the the theology. Oh, of, I know, I know a if, lot about. It. <laughs> if you had uh, put so much time in reading the book instead of watching YouTube videos, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it is. I am the equivalent of the kid that watches all those old scripture videos oh, yeah. and gets all the scripture knowledge from that and not from actually <laughs> reading the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Or from watching all the Bible videos, like all the Hollywood Bible videos. Um, and I think, oh, let's see here. We're going to have to come back to that for me. And I'm, okay. I apologize, but no, that's fine. for a movie, that's better than a book. We'll get back to that. Well, here's here's the other one that I was thinking of. Okay. Uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh. Do you think that's cheating? I, well, it's a book. And they made a movie out of it. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. But it, it might be a little cheating because it's a picture book. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, that it, it counts. Well, and I don't think it's cheating because... Um, over on this shelf, I'm looking at uh, where the wild things are, mm. and that is an excellent picture book and a okay movie. Mm. Huh. <laughs> so, so now we just introduced a very new concept of the opposite. <laughs> we have a movie that, if that book took an hour to read, oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> so, but it's so it's not cheating because it there's precedent for it it could have been poor mm-hmm. but it was an excellent movie mm-hmm. so just to totally flip it okay um what let's let's just ream let's just do a stream of bad movies that we we wanted to be better that are based on books yeah actually i was gonna say hunger games was one of them really yeah i don't i don't think it's horrible but I thought it could be better. But at the same time, I kind of thought the books could have been just a tad better as well. I mean, yeah, the books weren't masterpieces. No, not by any means. They were they were just fun. Yeah. They were fun. What did they, they came out, what, in like, was it 2009? 2012? Question mark? No, because no, I, remember, really I remember reading all of them before I graduated. Yeah, I was in junior high, so yeah. it was like... Yeah, 2008 or something. I don't know. We can look it up. But I heard li- I haven't seen it, but my wife was telling me that Live Love Laugh is not the greatest either. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I I haven't seen the movie or the book. And those are very interesting books because they're like the they're not the fantasy type of like attention getter books or movies. They're kind of the realistic yeah type. I don't know what kind of genre you would call that more popular amongst adults than kids yeah because kids kids books like harry potter hunger games and you can even say lord of the rings because it's fantasy and adventure are far more popular and more highly rated to become movies 
than like some serious ones. But there are a lot of movies like that, but I've heard some of them aren't all that good either. Um, like Live, Love, Laugh. Live, Laugh, Love? I don't even know the order. Laugh, Live, Love. Love, Live, Laugh. <laughs> laugh, Laugh, Love, Love, Live. What guys we are, yeah. Um, L words <laughs> in Cyprus. Isn't there an font? Eat, but isn't there an eat in there? Eat, eat, pray, love. Eat, live, love. Oh no! Eat, love, live. <laughs> eat, long, uh, and die, try. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> my my two biggest uh, disappointments were Ender's Game. Mm, I was going to ask you about that. And um, I Robot, actually. Oh my goodness! Is I Robot a book? Yeah, it's an amazing book. Oh my god! So, so, and that, when I watched the movie, and it was a you know kind of cheesy action movie, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't think much of it. But then later in life, I stumbled upon the book. And it's a Isaac Asimov book. Um, it's sort of a, a classic um, science Sci-fi. fiction, mm-hmm. and it is. Um, actually that book still haunts me a little bit. Um, the ending, like for days and weeks afterwards, I was like, by the way, spoilers ahead. I I won't spoil anything, but I will not (laughs) this, but on other things I will. Oh yeah. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Um, but I, I just think about it and it, it's like, uh, a robot takeover, but in a way that could actually happen and is happening today. And okay. so it's like, that creeps me out. Yeah. So, <laughs> but so the, the book is like a really deep, uh, book about like our relationship with technology and AI and robots in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the movie was just like a weird action movie, mm. you know? So, Here's another thing. Why? But there are a lot of good movies that are based on books. In fact, we can name, we already talked about two of them are some of the top Oscar winning, award winning movies Ben Hur yeah. and Lord of the Rings, specifically Return of the King. But the whole series was fantastic and had the same caliber. Like there wasn't like a jump in quality right. from Fellowship of the Ring to. Return the King. Well, and I heard that they sort of held back on the first two, getting them awards, because they knew the third one was just going to sweep. Isn't that interesting? Could you imagine, like, <laughs> if that was, like, a real-life scenario of, yeah. like, no, 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 we're not giving you this award because we feel like you're going to win a bigger award later. <laughs> That's an interesting thing. But, okay, so we talked about why books can often translate well to movies but like i just think it's interesting that some of the best movie series and the best single movies have all come from books and i wonder why well yeah and it goes back to what i was saying before i think is that it gives you a foundation mm-hmm. and i think the worst make the when you the worst adaptions are when you abandon the foundation you can you can take artistic liberties i'm okay with that um but if you if you ruin the themes of the book and it's just a completely different story then there's there's nothing tying it together 
and automatically you spurn an entire fan base and you you relying on completely on the merits of the actors mm-hmm. and this thing that you spawned out of thin air that is a perfect segue into what i was going to ask you next and that is what if the fan base was never there and these movies came out as original storylines would they be as successful so the movies are made exactly the same the movies are what they are uh hunger games for example but would hunger games be viewed as a good movie series if the books never existed i think so and i actually really liked the hunger games i and i was pleased with that adaption um but at the same time uh it it's completely on the merit of the movie whether or not it is good or not. Mm-hmm. So the example I'm thinking of is all of these movies that we didn't know were books. Mm-hmm. You know, like I had no idea Forrest Gump was a book. Right. Or The Godfather was a book, you know. Interesting. Um, and so for me, that fan base didn't exist. Mm-hmm. But they were still excellent movies. I almost wonder if those who are not fans find those movies great and those who are fans hate the movies like hmm. well okay well, yeah. here's an example and i think we better dive into this sooner than later if i may yeah ready player one okay <laughs> i've read the book before i i watched the movie i loved the book right. we love the book yeah yeah my wife she never read she didn't read the book but she saw the movie and then i got her to read the book and she loved the book more, but she at first she liked the movie, and she was like, "That was a great movie." And she had no like, it could have been better. There's That's not, interesting. It was all, oh, that was a good movie. And there's a lot of people like that too, specifically with Ready Player One, like my mom and like my little brother. When they watched the movie, they were like, "The movie was great," and yeah. they really couldn't think of anything to improve it. While all the people who read the book were like, "What are you talking about?" Um. Yeah, that's interesting. In all fairness, the movie's great to a point. And then after that, it's like, I have to treat both of them separately. I have to, whereas like, I think of, I think of Harry Potter and I think of the books and the movies kind of like zigzagging, like a DNA kind of like, you know. Right, yeah. Whereas Ready Player One, one went left and one went right, but both were okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, well the, the book, book was great. Was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i think ender's game was a little bit the same way yeah uh my wife watched ender's game without reading the book Mm -hmm. and she thought it was a good movie and then i made her read the book and then she realized that it could have been a lot better Mm -hmm. so it, it i think it is possible uh for you to get a really a bad taste in your mouth for an adaptation if you are so attached to some some work mm-hmm. and i think it's interesting because some th- just because you prefer one over the other doesn't necessarily mean in an objective viewpoint that it's better than the other i think nostalgia has a huge play in that and preference like if you were given if you grew up on east coast burgers chili onions and like I think G-Sauce is how it is here in North Carolina. 
it's going to be great. You're, you're, you love it. You grew up on that. Whereas if you go to the West Coast where you got the Thousand Island sauce, tomato, lettuce, and onions, it's, it's great, but it's, you're going to prefer what you were raised on. Right. And I feel like that kind of same principle can go with movies. That being said, the book was far better <laughs> with Ready Player One. Well, and it was just objectively better, I think. The, uh, yeah. There's, there's a lot of problems with the movie. And, uh, like, to be fair, Ernest Klein, the author of Ready Player One, worked on the, the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they uh, deviated from the book intentionally. Right. Because he he wanted those that had read the book to have a new experience. They, they, he wanted them to have a new hunt. Right. Um, but at the same time, I think there, there could have been a, a few more nods. Right. And the different, the biggest difference, and like I said, there are spoilers here. If you haven't read Ready Player One, I highly suggest you read it and then listen to what I'm about to say. There were, from what I understand, I haven't done the counting, but I know that there was a challenge for the key, and then there's a challenge for the gate Right in the book. In the movie, it was a challenge for the key, and that was it. Right. Which My first problem is, why was the key and the door in the same room? I don't know. It just, it just doesn't make sense. If you were a D&D player, and you're like, with your clan you know and then you find the key and the doors right in front of you like what fun is that well uh, and to be fair you that's one of the truncation problems that we talked about before Hmm. where it would it would be a lot longer to do six challenges instead Mm -hmm. of three right um and so i think i think that's fine um that's where i kind of yeah that's where i kind of differ but even of those six challenges, not one of them was repeated in in the movie. No. They were no, all no. different. Yeah. I kind of appreciated that because I do appreciate what Ernest Klein was trying to do for the readers. Because if he did try to attempt it, or it wasn't really him because he was a part of it, but he wasn't the sole director. He was merely the creator and everybody else raised his child into a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um... I feel like if they were to recreate the movie and do it poorly, it probably would have left a really, really bad taste in all of our mouths. Like, if they were to do, like, the Monty Python Holy Grail scene in the book where he's recreating the movie, I feel like a lot of people probably wouldn't have liked that if they strayed way too far. I feel like that would have been movie magic. But uh, imagine the yeah. rights, <laughs> and th- and that was the best part of the movie. I thought was the the shining s- sequence, where right? They were... But the difference between that and what's in the book is that in the shining, they weren't recreating the movie. Right. They were trying to find the key in the setting of the movie, which was awesome. But in the book, you were the character, right? And that was awesome. And yeah. I think w- anyone who reads that book. That's one of their first thoughts is like, this would be so cool. Oh my goodness. I I want to see Matthew Broderick Mm -hmm. and this like CGI character recreating all the, all the things. (laughs) That'll be really, really cool. But if it was done poorly, it would have been like, because it it would have had to been executed perfectly. Yeah. Or 
it would have been no good. Well, I think about Harry Potter for one thing and how I am really disappointed with the character of Ginny in the movies. And it's not I don't necessarily think it's the actress's fault, but I think it's mainly just the writing because the actress doesn't usually write the scenes that they perform. It was kind of cringy at some points. Like, remember that weird scene in the Room of Requirement? Oh, yeah. I can stay here if you want. Or no, that was in the attic. It was just so, yeah. It was like, and she's like tying his shoe and like the awkward space. Reminds me of your first kiss. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> we can take that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's, it's there. <laughs> it's not leaving. <laughs> but when you think, of, when you remember the book and Ginny is... She's scary in the best of ways, you know? She is not that timid, and she's not that dramatic. Um, She's a lot more grounded, I feel. And she's still a Weasley. I kind of feel like in the movies, you got Fred and George, and you got Ron. And you got the rest of them. But in the book, everybody is a Weasley, I feel like. Everybody matches that identity. Where in the movie, Ginny kind of... She doesn't really. She was act just a redhead. Like, yeah, she's just she's just a redhead, but she doesn't really. She doesn't act like a Weasley, you know. And, right. Anyway, and with Ready with with Ready Player One, like my big one of my biggest beefs is when the movie tries to pander to what is visually appealing, especially when it relates to a character. And I'm being a chunky guy myself. I relate to chunky characters. Wade Watts is a chunky character, and in Holes, um, Stanley Yilmaz is also a chunky character. Right. But in both of those instances, in Holes and in Ready Player One, the movies, they are skinny. Right. Which, I don't care if a character is skinny or not. Like, I don't need a character to be made just to appeal to me. Because right. I don't... That's not true to the story. But the thing is, is like, that's where you're taking the foundation and you're changing it when it doesn't need to be changed. You know, when you're transitioning from one medium to the next and you're changing that part, that is a part of the identity that is important because the book says it is. In both Holes and in Ready Player One, the weight of the character is important. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because in holes, it talks about how he has a hard time digging the holes and that that's a big reason why he and I think him and zero connect is because zero's like always digging the holes really quick and he can't keep up. And he's the last one, not just because it's new, but because he's overweight. And with Wade Watts, he talks about how the world he lives in always has this salty and just government funded food that is basically like school cafeteria food which is not healthy at all and right. just makes you gain weight you know even though he's dirt poor um and how in the oasis he changed his character because he didn't want to be viewed as overweight you know right. but he wanted but he still looked like himself just thinner right and that's why it's like important um and that was kind of one of my beefs one because it was like you're i feel like that was an appealing move to the audience and not true to the character. And I feel like that foundation was just made a little bit weaker because of it. Well, yeah. And I, I don't want to bash on Steven uh, Spielberg. Uh, but Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, he's, he seems like a nice guy. Um, 
I, well, I'm not attacking his character. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just his movie making skills. No. Well, yeah, you could be critical about a person's. <laughs> no, but see, I think the difference. So Peter Jackson, when he was making Lord of the Rings, the the books were the Bible. Oh yeah. They they would read every cast member was required to read it like every day, um, and they wanted so desperately to stay true to the books mm-hmm. um and so then if there was uh deviations um it was with good heart yeah um but i i think about ready player one and specifically like the monty python thing mm-hmm. they, they did do a nod to monty python they had the holy grail Oh, no, they had the the holy hand grenade. Yeah, the the, the holy hand grenade. <laughs> but why in the world did he not count to three? <laughs> <laughs> like you, you have this nerd that loves these movies. He's going to count to three. Yeah, <laughs> he just tosses it. What? If 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 they had oh, uh, awesome. stayed true to that book at all, mm-hmm. he would have counted to three. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Oh man! And but here's okay. Here's some things I did like about the movie, though, is that it did reference some things that the book didn't reference that I actually enjoyed, because in the book, basically what was going on is that the whole Oasis is from the mind of James Halliday. And everything in there is a reference to what he loved. Because in the book, it says that James Halliday basically didn't connect with anybody who didn't like everything he did. You know what I mean? Right. He had a really hard time connecting with people that didn't like what he did. That doesn't mean that everything in the Oasis had to be everything he liked and that everything else was rejected, because that also went against his beliefs but that's all everybody studied when they were gunters. Right. Um, but in the movie, there were a lot of things that were referenced that weren't referenced in the book. The biggest two were the Iron Giant and Halo. And those aren't like the two biggest things. There are tons of other things that were awesome to see. Like Overwatch was also in the Oasis that wasn't in right. um, the book Oasis. And I, I thought that was really good because it did kind of bring in some reference and relevancy, and maybe I'm kind of uh, being a hypocrite because that is kind of audience pandering. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, it doesn't have to do a whole lot with the story itself. Because just because I see a bunch of Spartans charging in on that final charge of Anorak's castle, that doesn't mean that like it's a crucial part of the story. But it's just kind of a nice eye no. candy, you know, just to realize, I get that's Master Chief, and, or that's the Iron Giant. Well, that, that, you, you're entitled to that opinion. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, um, what's your And, and I uh, totally disagree, because the book was 80s, right? And the movie was not 80s. Mm, okay. It was just pop culture, you know? Gotcha. And they, they did a few, like, 80s things. But it was just so overwhelmingly 80s. And, and, and Well, the gunting was 80s. But what about the Oasis itself? The Oasis was whatever people did. But in the book, the, he had this competition and all of the competition was 80s. And so everyone studied the 80s 
And because everyone studied the 80s, the 80s came back into popular culture. And so everything outside of the competition was also 80s. Gotcha. Because um, that's just, it bled into every aspect of society. People started dressing like the 80s again. Gotcha. Um, well, the, in the movie, there's still that because everybody still got into a lot of the 80s stuff. I was just talking about like the nod toward the Iron Giant, which was made in, I think, the 90s, and a nod to the Spartans of Halo universe. But I feel like I feel like the movie did have a lot more modern references, but was there an instance in the... I feel like there were, but let me finish my question. But were there instances in the, in the quest for Halliday's egg in the movie that wasn't 80s? Whereas the- in the book, because everything in the book... Uh, for the path to Halliday's egg was completely 80s. Even if the entire Oasis wasn't 80s, the pathway to the egg was, which is why so many people got into the 80s. But I was just thinking like... Well, the first key, the well, first right. challenge was nothing like the 80s. Right, that was a race. Yeah, I mean, he, he drove a DeLorean. Right, and that's and- it. And he doesn't get the DeLorean until far later. Do you know how much a DeLorean is? Why would you think some kid from... It doesn't even mention Lotus in the movie. Yeah. Some kid from Lotus buys a DeLorean. That thing ain't cheap. Not even a virtual one. Come on. Yeah. Come on. So, so okay. There and and maybe, and maybe I was just a little salty because I, uh, <laughs> once we knew that the movie was coming out, I, I did this huge competition with my family and friends. <clears throat> <laughs> Let me correct what Fish said. We did a competition, yeah, but yeah. I joined in later. He was already in it but But we did a competition we we took every single reference in the book and made a huge checklist and tried to get as experience as many of those as possible and i put in you know sweat and tears watching all those esoteric references did we we watched lady hawk yeah we watched lady hawk together oh my goodness that music that was was great great i think at the time i made fun of it because it was synthetic music from the 80s for like a, a period in a medieval <laughs> piece you yeah. know but then i remember your dad was like what are you talking about it's great and i was like okay and now i listen to it when i have my own ready player one playlist with only the songs from the book and the lady hawk intro isn't it yeah <laughs> but i remember we went to the nickelcade and we played a tron and we played rampage and joust on the actual right stand-up the- consoles or the the cabinets that are what they're called right yeah, and so I can, and none of that work paid off no. in in the movie. <laughs> be, be, beyond just enjoying that material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I feel like yeah, there's definitely a left and right turn that happens with the movie and the book, and I'm okay with that. But there is something about the thing about books is that it is a it is a subjective material, whereas movies are. They're very objective. And let me explain. What you see is what you get in a movie. There's no reinterpretation unless it's like a really crazy piece where the dialogue and the visuals are like somehow leave it to the mind's imagination. But for the most part, it's very objective where books are more subjective than objective sometimes because even with the greatest of description your mind is the one imagining it, not the author. The author is simply trying to paint a picture, 
but really it's just him telling your brain what to paint and your brain is painting something that you're seeing. And that's why I mean like books are more subjective where movies and visual art are all objective because what you see is what you get. But what you read is all within the eye of the beholder, you know? I think you can definitely have an ob- objectively bad book. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, no, absolutely. But I, I agree. <laughs> I, th- I think the line is further subjective for books than mm-hmm. it is for movies. And the reason why is I, I talk to my wife a lot about this of when we talk about the movies and the books that she's, excuse me, the movies and the books that she's read. And she always says, I always imagined blank whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but she's always referencing the book. I always imagined put in said fact. And I think that's very interesting because you can never say, I always imagined in, about a movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> what are you talking about? You imagined Ben Hur with a beard. He couldn't, he has a, well, if you read the book or like, you know, if you're watching great, now I can't think of a movie that wasn't a book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. If you're watching The Ghost of Mr. Chicken and you're saying, I always imagine Luther with a mustache. like, how Why? would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> this is an original script. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's brand new. Yeah, I was watching a rerun. What's a rerun? <laughs> <laughs> You'll find out, kid. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, what What else is there? Well, one other concept that I want to get to, and this isn't so much like, well, it's talking about the medium of art. With a book, you got you got you, we got picture books. We're talking about where the wild things are. Fantastic Mr. Fox. You have um, long. You have just novels like Lord of the Rings, Ben Hur, the majority of them, and then you have manga. You know, and Alex Ryder is. Uh, I believe that's what it is. Alex Ryder, which is a book about kind of like a boy agent who like is trying to find out about the death of his father. And it's a manga, but it was made into a movie. And it's actually pretty good. I remember watching one of the films and I was actually, I actually read the manga later and I realized it was a shot by shot remake. It was actually kind of cool um, because they made the movie as a shot by shot of the manga or maybe the manga. I can't remember what was first. Scott Pilgrim is the same way. Oh yeah. Where it was a, you know, a comic mm-hmm. or a, a graphic novel, whatever you, yeah, whatever you want. Manga, but graphic novel. I remember reading the first one and it was like word scene for scene it was really impressive and then with movies you have or with tv screens you got movies which is the big thing and then all of a sudden you got sitcoms uh like tv shows and then it wasn't until our day and age where youtube and streaming became available and they did have like mini series but now streaming and episodes are becoming more of a thing where instead of tuning in every Thursday on Channel 11, now you're tuning in on HBO Max or Hulu, waiting for every Wednesday when the new episode airs. And I think it's very interesting because there are strengths and weaknesses of storytelling with each one. And my question is, when translating a book to on screen, do you th- where do you think a series would be better than a movie or a movie be better than like a series because that's kind of where the two kind of go you know today yeah i i don't have a good answer for that um i'm thinking a lot about wheel of time yeah um where there's you know 
14 plus books in in the series you can't and and they're they're pretty dense books i mean they're pretty thick game of thrones game of thrones is another mm-hmm. one um i i don't think it's possible to to pack in a whole book into a movie mm-hmm. uh, no so way. it has to be a series yeah um but there there are some books that seem to be better catered for a movie mm-hmm. um so I think it's really sort of the scope of the book um, and maybe a little bit the length of the book. But I, I, I think it, it's more about like the scope of it Yeah. where Game of Thrones and Wheel of Time is this sprawling epic fantasy. You know, you have all these different kingdoms and, uh, you know, thousands of characters <laughs> um, where as like How to Kill a Mockingbird is a courtroom yeah right it's it's an it's a great a masterpiece of a story but the scope is a courtroom where game of thrones is an entire world i was actually thinking about um why haven't they made a remake of how to kill a mockingbird today because it is such a great masterpiece but because it's an older film it could do but i think Actually, now that I think about it, it's probably because it doesn't need CGI. It doesn't need, like, huge changes. Whereas something, like, if you were to make, like, we talked about Tron in the last one. Where Tron was kind of made when CGI was kind of on the cusp of becoming good. But it was still kind of (laughs) crappy. And how it kind of was made a little too early, in my opinion. Because if it waited until today to be made, it would have looked great. Um, But... Okay, here's another question really quick. Is there an instance where you think a book that was made a movie could be turned into a series? Because mm. I have I have one idea that I want to argue. But, like, let's say, like, or maybe a series, like, would Wheels of Time be better as a movie series instead of a... Uh, uh, nah. It, it had to be a show. Um, gotcha. Even though the show was kind of poorly executed also, but... <laughs> would there be... a would there be a movie series that could be turned into or a book movie that could be turned into a series? The, the easy answer is Lord of the Rings because they are doing that. Yeah. Right. Through uh, the Rings of Power. Yeah. Right. Which um, I believe is based on the Cimmerillion. Right. It, it is. It's, and that's interesting that they're making a whole series out of, you know, one book. I don't know. I think it's multiple books because the Cimmerillion is part of it, but there's also... Like the Tolkien reader or whatever. Yeah. Tolkien had a lot of unfinished manuscripts. And so I actually don't know. I haven't read a lot about Rings of Power as far as like exactly what it's based on. But I know the Cimmerillion talks about the Rings of Power. Um, but it'll be interesting because it can't be too much of the Cimmerillion because the Cimmerillion is also before Sauron. Because Sauron made... The Rings of Power, which we have to... Re- no, uh, Celebrimbor did. <laughs> now don't, we're, be now laughing, <laughs> don't be laughing at my... Your, your Tolkien knowledge. You haven't even read the books. <laughs> be quiet. I've read enough. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But um, I was actually just thinking uh, Ready Player One might be a good series. You, could you, you could do one one challenge per episode, essentially. I feel like I feel like if Ready Player One were made into a series, it would be not a cartoon series. I, I still think it needs to be live. 
uh, live action. But I feel like those episodes will probably have to be like 30 minutes, yeah. you know, like like 20 to 30 minute episodes, because I feel like it could have it could still be made into like a two to three hour thing, you know? Yeah. Oh, iRobot. iRobot would be an amazing series yeah. if, if they followed the book, because the book is written very episodically. Episodically. Is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it would almost be like an anthology almost where there yeah. it's there's these loosely connected stories that are standalone stories i have two okay harry potter and james bond interesting yeah i feel like one i'm i'm pretty sure cuz james bond was a book it's based on books i believe yes, but not many many books but not every single wait it's i don't think every single movie is based on one book no, is I, it? I think they've made a few movies just out of thin air. Yeah, because... But, like, No Time to Die is... I, I don't think there's a book. Right. But I feel like that would that would be a good streaming kind of one hour long kind of episodes. Because you can do series on, like, the missions, you know? Like, a series of GoldenEye or something like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and they can make multiple different ones whether they're based on books or not harry potter i i am not advocating a remake at all but because i feel like it's a good harry potter's a good lower lower higher middle class series i thought that those adaptions were great right but let's say in a world where it was never made and all the movie all the books were written before any of the movies were even thought of being produced and if it was done today I feel like a series would be great. One, because you can take your time with the series. Because the foundation is already laid for you. And so instead of trying to compact a bunch, like, movies into a two-hour session, or books into a two-hour session, you could take your time with a series. I feel like you could do that with all those books. And do it pretty well. Would you do, like, one season per year? Yeah. I feel like that'd be good. Hmm. You can do one season per year um and i feel like there can be some leeway to with that but i feel like it would be good for developing the story staying a little bit truer to the book um and i'm not i feel like the book for the most or the movies for the most part did their job yeah but there were a lot of smaller details that we wish we saw the first kiss between harry and Ginny was like i wanted that to happen instead it happened to ron right did you notice that in the movie, oh. Ron got the kiss the way Harry was supposed to get the kiss from Ginny. Right. What the crap, man? <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't like the fifth book. Oh, that's a, another one that's better. I liked the fifth movie. Better than the, the fifth book. Better than the fifth book. I hated the fifth book. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Well. That's interesting. I, I, don't, I, I, I sort of don't think that would work because I don't think there's enough substance in each book to make a whole series out of it mm-hmm. you'd have to add things and once you're adding things you got to be careful you have to be careful and i agree I, I can see that because you can't add a whole lot of fluff to either books or movies because everything you see and everything you read has to have some sort of relevance otherwise you distract the reader or the viewer and so i could see like if you're adding stuff you have to somehow connect it. And if you're connecting too many fake appendages like RoboCop, 
then you're not gonna it's gonna distract from the original foundation i i can see that yeah well i feel like there's a long path ahead of us but <laughs> the sun is setting so i feel like we should camp here for the night and return another day <laughs> if we get ten thousand likes on this video <laughs> we'll come back and do a sequel i think well i feel like the sequel is going to be inevitable um <laughs> but we would love that ten thousand likes also i feel like there's another bushwhack where maybe it's not a bushwhack but i still think we should publish it of just ready player one the book and just talking about how great that would be and if the oasis were here i think i've talked about that before but yeah we, just... we could do a uh, um book reviews that, that's good the, the oasis is just oh my goodness i would just love to be there in the first book right the second book scares me <laughs> the first book actually scares me a lot too um but i guess we'll get into that in in that bushwhack please let us know fellow bushwhackers what did you like about this podcast what books do you think should be made into movies what movie remakes of books did you like did you feel like we missed out on that we should revisit to talk about in another episode do you agree do you disagree join the bushwhack Comments, subscribe, leave us some. You can leave messages on Anchor. I don't think we've been telling people this. You can leave us messages on Anchor through voice or uh, just a written message. So do that. Yeah, we live in a day and age where you can talk to podcasters. Whoa, do it. We we love you a lot. We hope to see you next time. Thank you so much for listening in on the Bushwhack. I'm Jack and I'm Fish, and you all have a wonderful day. like to take a moment to thank our supporters caleb l shelby and michaela we couldn't do this without you you're amazing and we'd like to thank you our listeners for making us feel loved and wanted we sure do appreciate you